let me tell you something, Big Daddy from Cincinnati. I've been from Maine to Spain, and I've been deep down in the Ukraine. I've wrestled in Madison Square Garden in New York and went all the way to Holland. I got accused of spreading pollen, but that's how we created the hive. But you see, I've been north, south, east, and west. I've been from ocean to ocean, from coast to coast. But you know something? The podcast that I dig the most happens to be Once Upon a Turnbuckle and my friend Chris. So tune in and listen to them or you'll get stung. Oh, yes, sir. It's now time for our main event with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new edition of Once Upon a Turnbuckle and I, I, I always say my episodes are special but this one is extra extra special because this is a guest who you'll all know anyway but it's someone who I, I've been in contact with pretty much almost as long as I've had this show going. And I'm so, so pleased to bring him on. Wrestling royalty, the killer bee himself, Brian Blair. Welcome to the show, sir. Chris, it's great to be on Once Upon a Turnbuckle with you, my friend. Um, you've um, uh, become a friend to me. Uh, you're a very kind individual. And uh, look back at some of your shows. Uh, you do a great job at interviewing people and getting the most out of them. So I'm really looking forward to the questions you throw at me. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, 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 I've been, I've been really building myself up to this one. I mean, this, this, like I say, going back to our messages, I think I found 19th of October 2020 was the first wow. time we exchanged a message, and we've been kind of building it up since that. And it's, I think, we have picked the best time to do it as well because so much has happened that we can now talk about since oh, then yeah. as well. So, uh, but um, I mean, first and foremost, I'll bring it out. I'll bring it out early. Truth be told, incredible, incredible book. Anyone who's watching this who hasn't picked one of these up yet, go and get it. Um, I couldn't put it down when I, when I, uh, when I started reading it. Um, you come from an era that I grew up with, but I didn't necessarily know everything about you, which is fantastic to then finally have this. And we'll talk about this a bit more, obviously, sure. through the course of the show. Um, What's happening with you? You know, how, how are you, basically? You know, you're, you're about as busy as I think you were back in your, your heyday, by the looks of it. Yes, and, you know, I had a setback for a while, Chris. Um, uh, in July of... <clears throat> I had a back operation in July of uh, 2021, and I contacted what's called osteomyelitis um, when a, um, a surgical tube that drains the blood from your spine came out of my spine and I didn't realize it and uh, started to the restroom because uh, you walk after the very first day after back surgery and you have to have a walker, of course, mm. and they do like you to have a nurse. But anyway, I had to pee and so I felt a little pop in my back. I didn't know what it was. I got up and uh, started walking. Uh, I think I took a couple steps to the Yes, towards the bathroom. And then I came back and something told me to, to like turn around back. And I looked down and it looked like a chicken had its head cut off. There was so much blood on the wow. floor and I didn't know where it came from. And um, so I went and sat back down in my bed and called the nurse's button immediately. And the nurse came in and she looked and she was, ah. and so naturally I went, ah. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know what's wrong. You know, I'm feeling and looking and yeah. I don't have any holes in me. And I totally forgot that I have a, a drain on my back and that that's what it could be. Uh, but then I hear the nurse say, oh, I, it, it's your hemi. And uh, so, which means uh, my hemovac tube is what she was trying to say. Right. And so the tube had fallen out, drug across the ground, uh, sat back down, is laying on the floor. Well, the nurse picks the tube up and sticks it back in my back. And it took her a minute or two to get it back in my back. And then we had problems from there. It wouldn't stop bleeding for 
you know, you're supposed to leave it in for five days. I think I took yeah. it out like the third day, maybe the fourth, uh, the doctor took it out. I didn't take it out. And, uh, um, the doctor came in the following day because it just wouldn't stop bleeding. I think from where she kept yeah. trying to poke it back in there. And well, uh, you know, a few days go by and I'm wondering, well, um, I didn't think that much of that particular incident at the time, although I was a little skeptical that she didn't um, uh, disinfect it, but then yeah. I looked and figured well, I'm on IV. So, you know, that, um, uh, the, um, antibiotic that they're giving me intravenously would probably take care of anything. So again, I just didn't think much about it. And, um, my, uh, I had kissed my oldest son, give him a hug and a kiss. And, uh, he told me he'd, we just got back from vacation, uh, down in the keys fishing, had a great trip. And, um, he said he'd be in to see me in the hospital and he didn't, common I was getting worried about him and um, still didn't know what happened and right before I was getting out of the hospital I was feeling some some all of a sudden some kind of new pain and um, and I get home and uh, the first first day I get home I get a knock on my door and uh, it's two detectives and they tell me that my son had been murdered and it was the hardest news that I ever was the hardest thing that I ever heard in my life. And, uh, well, from there, uh, the pain kept getting worse and worse in my back. And, um, I thought it was because I didn't have a, um, a, <laughs> they give you a brace, like a turtle shell brace. So you can't move because this was my second back surgery. So I know the protocol and I called to get a brace and it's like, okay, it's on the way. Well, I never wound up getting a brace. That surgery was uh, July 16th, and I never got a brace until uh, July, August, until uh, September 1st. Wow. And um, I was hunching over and, you know, I had to go do my son's eulogy and mm. the most dire pain that I had ever been in. And I went to the emergency room a couple of times to find out what was wrong with the pain. They thought I had kidney stones. Um just all kinds of things that that weren't yeah. until um, I my primary care doctor said you need to go get a, both a blood test and an MRI because I think you might have an infection and uh, sure enough uh, I had osteomyelitis and if you look it up there's you know like 30 percent of the people that get this die Oh, wow. And so it was very scary. So I had emergency surgery again on October 30th. And um, so uh, it actually, actually took my ability to walk. I could not walk. I, right. I, all of a sudden, I, I, um, I was at home and had gone to the emergency room where they had, after the MRI, uh, disclosed the osteomyelitis and they put me on <clears throat> a pick line, which is uh, a line that goes to um, right by your heart and you actually do home IV. Okay. And um, I started that, but apparently it was kind of like too late. Um, and um, so the doctor, the pain was excruciating. All of a sudden I was paralyzed. I could not move from the waist down, um, couldn't use the bathroom, couldn't do anything, I couldn't stand up. And so they rushed me to the hospital. I had emergency surgery on October 30th. And uh, with a lot of hard work, uh, um, some good therapists, and uh, I think Dr. Small, uh, who performed the surgery, did a pretty good job. And I went from not being able to walk to progressing to a walker, and then from a walker now to a, a cane, I can walk okay. with a cane, but it's, um, it's still a, a work in progress. And um, so I, I felt like Job, if you ever read the Bible, uh, you know, Job was, <laughs> he lost his family and lost his health. And so this all happened to me at one time, maybe not as bad as Job, but uh, <clears throat> certainly enough to uh, 
to know that you're challenged and yeah. challenged beyond uh, <clears throat> a, a normal uh, person's strength, including mine. I mean, it was it's been very, very difficult, but every day is a little brighter. Yeah. Every day is a little better. And, um, <clears throat> I've been, I've kept all my, um, you know, all my obligations. I had to cancel a lot of autograph sessions and signings, um, between the times, but, uh, uh, I have great staff at the cauliflower alley club. So they kind of stepped up and picked up where, uh, where I needed to, because, you know, I have a passion for helping the yeah. wrestlers that fall on difficult financial times. And the Cauliflower Alley Club does just that. You know, we help lots and lots of people. I mean, it's amazing. Guys that have made millions of dollars, like yeah. Mr. Wonder, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. We don't say their names unless they give us permission, but Bobby the Brain Heen and Paul Orndorff, uh, um, uh, Kamala, just to name a few, yeah, you know, yeah. sa saved their homes and uh, that's what the organization does. And mm. uh, your listeners can go to caulifloweralleyclub.org. And uh, I don't know what it is overseas. I think it might be $50 a year to okay. join the club. And half of that goes to <clears throat> help the uh, wrestlers into the benevolent fund. And the other half goes to mail you four copies of the newsletter mm. uh, that we do each year. So it's a, it's a great organization. We have a reunion coming up in, um, in September, uh, it'll be our 56th reunion. Wow. We've got some great honorees there. Um, it's in Vegas. You can go again, you can go to caulifloweralleyclub.org and everything's on the website. Cool. And uh, you can see all the wonderful honorees that'll be there. We were just talking before we came on to this, actually, that I, um, I've always known the name, the Cauliflower Alley Club. I never really knew what it did i mean i i i read reports of the um of the events that were put on and everything like that mm -hmm. so i thought it was almost like a hall of fame and it wasn't until i read your book um that i found out how amazing it is as an organization and what it does because i think people wrestling fans do forget that when your in-ring career finishes especially if it doesn't finish when you want it to you know you, you may not have stability in your life it's it's something that helps helps you live and helps you you know carry on and rebuild and um i i yeah i i think it's i think it's amazing and the fact that you you're not only involved but you're you're the chairman of the cauliflower alley club under I'm, I'm actually the president and the president, ceo yeah. so, yeah, uh, so it's, i stay pretty involved <laughs> yeah no that's so so that that's sort of turned on its head actually since we've come this way because this is such a an inspirational start you know, they, I've not even had to ask you, you know, to talk about your in-ring career, which everyone knows you for, you know, just the fact that you've gone through all of that within the last couple of years, you know, that is life. That's thrown some very real problems your way and you're, you're still here and you're fighting it all and you're, you're helping others as well. Let's, let's talk about the Cauliflower Alley Club. How did it come about for you, um, your involvement through to obviously where you are now? Well, let me just go back a little bit and tell you that the, <clears throat> you, you and your listeners, that the Cauliflower Alley Club was established in 1965 by a gentleman by the name of Iron Mike Mazurki. And Iron Mike was both a movie star and a professional wrestler. And he was very famous in both jobs, both occupations. And um, he would gather at a the Moose, I think it was the Moose Lodge in California, and they would have lunches, and the guy, a few of the guys would were called runners, mm -hmm. and all the guys would talk about the situation, financial situations of of all the boys because they wanted to make sure that everybody was feeding their families. Yeah. So Iron Mike, who was making probably the most money of any of the wrestlers at that time. Um, maybe, you know, uh, Gorgeous George, uh, Wagner, um, Luthez, a couple others might have been making more, but he also had a, <clears throat> a dual income with his movies and he was co-star with John Wayne and a okay. bunch of movies. So he made a lot of money and yeah. um, he was a philanthropist. And so he would send wads of money to different wrestlers that needed the money. And that's how the Cauliflower Alley Club started. 
now we're getting ready to have our 56th anniversary. It would be 57th, but we missed a year because of COVID. Oh, yeah, close. Yeah. And um, I started back uh, before the 49th, um, I mean, before the 50th, right after the 49th um, reunion when um, uh, Nick Bockwinkle realized he was getting dementia. Okay. And um, uh, he, uh, along with Carl Lauer, who recently passed, God bless him, he was the CEO for 27, 30 years. Uh, Harley Race, they uh, were looking for somebody to take over the club that had some business acumen mm -hmm. and uh, was respected amongst the boys. And not only did I start Gold's Gyms in um, Hillsborough County in Tampa, the Tampa Bay area, uh, I started with one and built four and had the rights to seven and created the 1-800-99-GOLDS number, which was a switching number so that all the golds could put in a certain amount of money into a pool of advertising and you dial 1-800-99-GOLDS and it would route the caller to the nearest golds gym. So okay, nobody yeah. got cheated and everybody was happy. So, you know, you have 14 clubs, you put in $500, you have a $7,000 radio buy, sure. for example, and uh, you're only paying $500 and you're getting the benefit of a $14,000 buy. Yeah. So it, it just made us so successful. Um, um, it's public record. I wound up selling the clubs debt-free for $2.1 million. And um, uh, Steve Kern happened to be, uh, most people know Steve Kern. Yeah, uh, yeah. Doink, uh, Skinner, Skinner uh, yeah. fabulous ones. Uh, Steve's one of my best friends and he lives uh, not far from me. Hmm. And as a matter of fact, when I look over my lake, uh, the lake I live on, he uh, is exactly one mile due west. And okay. he's, he's the air flights. He's right in the path of the Tampa International Airport. They right. fly over it. He's in a beautiful <laughs> neighborhood, but all the neighbors have to wash the roofs every year because that gasoline, the oh, petrol no. goes on. So... Uh, Anyway, uh, we tease each other a lot and have a lot of fun. We just were um, in Atlanta. We, we were just in Atlanta doing um, the new Vice TV series um, that will air uh, uh, this season. Um, I had been on. Um, you remember the uh, Dark Side of the Ring? Yes. So yes. there's a there's a new uh, series getting ready to start about the territories. Because oh, wow. so many okay. people don't understand how the territories worked, who were, who was popular, all the different questions about the territories. So, yeah. Vice has put together uh, uh, groups of individuals that have the most knowledge of certain territories. Hmm. And, uh, for example, they do Florida. They'll do uh, New York was a territory. Mid South, Tennessee, yeah. you know, Portland, all, all over the states, and. Um, course we had many english wrestlers um uh and i got to be friends with, with lots of them les thornton um les thornton was a was a fun guy but just just many 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 uh you know of course davy boy smith uh yeah. davy and i were really good friends and uh, tommy billington and dynamite yeah. uh fortunately we had some tremendous matches with the heart foundation um with uh you know the entire family is so talented the heart yeah family. i i've just just got through reading uh another friend of mine written a book about the um the bulldogs and sort of going a bit more behind the scenes and some of the stuff that we probably wouldn't have known with the help of the families and that and yeah yeah it's 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 an amazing yet tragic story i think a lot of them up there yes. you know they're so so talented taken too soon yes yeah. absolutely yeah. absolutely but um um, anyway, the territories were a lot of fun and, uh, it was better. It was great with the territories because you could like wrestle in Florida for a year and then go to say mid South for a year and go to Georgia, but you would learn from so many different people and so many different styles, yeah. um, wrestling every single night. I mean, sometimes, uh, twice on Sunday and two and three times for television. Mm -hmm. So you'd wrestle anywhere from seven to 10 times a week. And uh, it was a way to get a lot more experience than 
the um, talent does today yeah. um, because they don't have as much opportunity. You have independent shows or you've got AEW, WWF. I mean, there's, there's actually 10 different television shows on uh, U.S. television wow. from uh, NWA. Um, they have Lucha Underground. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and of course, like I mentioned, AWA, uh, uh, I mean, AEW, yeah. uh, WWE. Um, a lot more than I grew up with. Uh, right, a lot, a lot more. A lot, the people are a lot more spoiled these days, I think. Yeah, so just, just the business has changed. It's morphed. It's a different business. And, um, you know, you wouldn't... It, it, when when I was in my prime working in the territories and even going to WWF slash E, um, we, we listened to the crowd. There were no script writers. There were nothing. Everything was done on your own. It was all your own cre creativity for the most part, other than some of the angles and things like that. But now it's like uh, guys are doing the same matches all over the place. And we would never yeah. do just listen to the crowd and you know if they're buying chain wrestling why give them anything else you know there's no sense in pulling out the uh tables and chairs <laughs> if they're you know into the uh, chain so it's uh it's been a tremendous uh observation and education to watch us morph from the territories to yeah. the national scene where we are now that's it's, I, I'm really, really I'm excited. I know this is the first I've heard about it, but it's the territories is is something I've only really learned about. I would say in the last sort of ten or fifteen years. So I I I've not followed the current product for about that long. Yeah, I I'm think no, I think I think the fans are really going to enjoy. Yeah, the education and the fun uh, yeah. and the pure entertainment that they're going to get because of the talent that's on these you, episodes you you talk so much about it in your book and i think a lot so many of the stories that i loved from it were from those days because it's an era that i didn't experience firsthand but uh, it's similar to uh, scott casey i spoke to him last year and i've read his book as well and it's from the same sort of era and there's so many right. so many road stories that i think you you'd miss out on these days you know, Correct. I don't know if these experiences still happen. The, the the guys in the business now have the same experiences you guys have, but it's it... no, it's it's changed a lot because mm -hmm. the laws have changed, things have changed. You know, we used to uh, do a lot more of our traveling in a car, so it yeah. was like, uh, you know, everybody was drinking uh, beer or wine and um, um, or smoking pot or, <laughs> you know, it's just, it just was. The, you knew every song to every yeah. tape that was put in and everybody would sing the songs together and used to have to pay trans. For example, it was a nickel a mile. Let's say if you went from Tampa to uh, Tallahassee, it was mm -hmm. uh, 400 miles. So um, you'd be uh, 800 miles round trip. So whoever, whoever drove, you better have your $40 yeah. ready to pay for your trans. Yeah. Um, or if you drove, the other people would pay you trans. So it was uh, interesting and um, guys were very good that, you know, you never had to ask anybody for their transit. It was automatic. Yeah. You know, I learned that right from it the really very beginning. You just hand the person, you yeah. know, how many miles it is, you hand them the money and, yeah. and that's it. And uh, did you have any favorites, any, any of the best traveling um, buddies you had and sort of any of the worst ones? So people that you favored and people that you would sort of try to stay away from. Well, um, I, I, I had a lot of fun early with the Briscoe brothers, with Steve Kern, Jimmy Garvin, mm. Don Morocco. Um, those were my primary Florida traveling, traveling buddies. And, and then as I moved on, uh, you know, each territory, you wind up with new buddies. Um, when I was in uh, the... Uh, uh, Kansas City territory, which happened to be my least favorite of all the territories because yeah. the miles were long and the pay wasn't that okay. good. Uh, I would ride with Jesse Ventura all the time and we had adjoining apartments. Um, and, you know, we had a great time for six, nine months together and had a little dog named Arnold. <laughs> and when you ride with Jesse, you, um, I've always been a listener, but mm -hmm. I was even more of a listener because. Jesse would rock like this, He'd stick a dip in his 
tongue underneath there and he just uh talk and talk chris until i mean he talked so much i i was interested in his stories yeah. i just listened once in a while i'd ask him a question but it was always about jesse but that was cool because you know, cool. I, I like that you know yeah. i i had enough experiences in my life by this time that you know most of them i wanted to put behind me as sure. you know from reading the book yeah yeah um but uh I had no idea what the future would hold. You know, I had no idea that I would someday be a successful business owner, that I would someday be a, an elected politician in um, a, a county with uh, one and a half million people um, running in a countywide race to give you, to put that in to um, uh, scope. It would be like running for governor of 10 other states, 11 other states, wow. because there's okay. more people in Hillsborough County than there are in 11 other states. Wow. And there's more people and there are square miles are about the same size as uh, Rhode Island. Okay. So that's amazing. A, it was a, an experience, big experience. Yeah. And then from there to Cauliflower Alley Club to uh, um, just, I picked out some great spots. I had a wonderful career in Japan. Um, and uh, for the IWA, um, which a lot of people didn't hear of, um, it was a great, great promotion to work for. It was on the weekends only. They were all sold shows. Uh, this was after I left uh, Vince. Yeah. This was like in 1990. And then um, um, the UWF came along with Herb Abrams and yes. uh, that was interesting for a while. We had some really good talent there. So. I was fortunate and uh, fortunate to be able to, you know, travel and, you know, see all these places to be in the first WrestleManias two, three, four, to be in the first uh, Survivor Series, the first Royal Rumble, the first overseas tours, all yeah. that stuff. And even before Vince was Atlanta, where the Ted Turner TBS cable experiment first started. And we would go into, see, all the territories had respect and wouldn't go into each, all the promoters wouldn't yeah. go into each other's territories. They'd have a meeting once a year that usually happened in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And Vince Sr. would come down. All the territory owners would meet. They'd pick out who was going to be the world champion. Uh, they'd barter some days to use the WW, <coughs> uh, WWF champion uh, or uh, Harley Race or whoever the yeah. champion, Jack Briscoe, whoever was a champion, then would get some dates in WWWF. Vern Gagne from AWA would come in. Mm -hmm. And so everybody had a pack. But now we go to um, to TBS, uh, to Georgia territory. In 85, um, Tito Santana, um, uh, Tommy Rich, um, the Freebirds, myself, um, um, a lot, a lot of uh, uh, talent, Tony Atlas. Uh, we went into places like Wheeling, West Virginia, where Eddie Farhat, the Sheik, technically that was his territory, but he was never running it. Um, and then we went into the Columbus, Ohio, and off the cable, all of a sudden it was huge. It was yeah. humongous. I remember we went into Dayton, Ohio, into O'Hara Arena, and there were more people outside than there were inside. And it was just... A, how do you make you prepare for something like that? You know, you, you realize how much it's blown up. You know? Well, you know, it's like people ask me about WrestleMania three, which yeah, is, yeah. you know, a lot of people say was the best WrestleMania of all time. Well, it was certainly one of the biggest for a long time. It was the biggest. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You go out there in a pair of modified underwear on a modified golf course cart. Yes. Yeah, you're wheeled out in front of a uh, hundred thousand people it doesn't count the people that's just the people inside not yeah. the people watching on pay-per-view and yeah, yeah the videos that come out and you know the legs that it has is yeah. unbelievable the amount of people that have seen that but uh it's a little scary it's a yeah. little uh, it'll you, get you your can... nerves when, when you're in the room say you know take wrestlemania 3 for example because you know i don't think many crowds have rivaled that around that time um do you, do, are you aware that there's that many people and obviously i've imagined it's noisy but when you're in the ring doing what you need to do are you taking any of that in or are you just trying to just 
Yeah, actually, I did because, Chris, I, what I did is before the show, I went up to the press room, which was way up in the uh, Pontiac Silverdome. And I looked down and I, I couldn't even recognize. I knew the ring crew guys that were putting the ring together and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't recognize who was who. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, who would want to sit way up here? And, you know, why would you spend this much money for a ticket yeah. uh, to sit way up here? And even though they have the big monitors mm. where, you know, once yeah. those are up, you can see a lot better. But uh, to me, that's almost like watching it on TV. I exactly. I, I, yeah. When I go to one of these shows, I want to be as, as close as I can to to. You know, but, you know that I'm there, yeah. But yeah. then I realized when I went out there, and you asked me, take, did I get a chance to take it all in? Mm. And I say yes, because I, the first time I, I looked at the crowd all the way around, and I, I just kind of took it in, and I thought about being up there, and then I thought, now I know why people are here, because there was more electricity in the air right. that it right. just had your uh, goosebumps all yeah. over you because everybody was into every single motion and everything that happened every high spot every word and they all reacted in in unison it was it was a beautiful you're, time you're part of something you know you're part of something don't you when you're amongst that many people all there for the common cause so yeah that's incredible that's incredible so you play the guitar chris i do yeah yeah sort of self-taught I um I, I don't tend to play much outside my house. I would like to, but, yeah, <laughs> nice. a bit a bit of confidence here and there, that's the thing. But yeah, yeah, I like to noodle around. So yeah, I I, I, I I actually played in a band at one time. I played the drums oh, okay, <clears> and, cool. uh, in my younger days, and uh, I remember um, the Nasty Boys and Brady Boone and I went into we went to Malaysia and Singapore. And there was a little bar there and we we went into this bar and I don't know how this happened, but all of a sudden we're, we've got all the instruments back there playing. <laughs> and that bar went crazy and we were just Brilliant. playing a bunch of gaga. That, uh, <laughs> they probably we didn't care. Players. It's just you up there. That's, that's, that's fantastic. It, that's it's cool. fun when, you know, you can go into uh, yeah. different places like that and the people are so happy to see you that you know anything you do is okay mm. like they're happy they just want to see what you're gonna do what's the what's the culture like because i was going to touch on your um your stint in japan actually obviously the obvious question i suppose is back then what were the biggest differences in styles and the culture of wrestling abroad compared to america um but compared to other countries you 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 know wrestled in as well Oh, that's a great question, Chris. And it really depends on whether you're wrestling their people or whether you're, it's a tour where you're just wrestling Americans. Because if you're just wrestling other Americans, it's, or in, guys from England, I call it anybody that can speak English. Yeah, uh, yeah. English speaking people, I should say. If you're there with English speaking people, it's um, um, pretty simple, you know. Um, but then, I was in Russia in 1993 on a tour that the Samoans promoted and Bam Bam Bigelow and I took turns because we were in Moscow for a week mm -hmm. and we wrestled their Olympic champion, you know, the shoot Olympic gold medalist. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, Bam had a little bit of amateur, I had the most amateur uh, experience, but you know, here I am weighing 230 pounds and this guy's 300 pounds. And so, uh, anyway, the matches were good. Uh, it's the first time I ever saw corruption uh, at a high level. The, we, when they took us into the airport, in, um, <clears throat> when we came in, flew into the airport, landed in Moscow, they took us into a building with no windows, gathered our passports, which you're not even supposed to let your passport out of your hand, but um, Alpha... Alpha and Sika, the Samoans, Alpha came up um, and said, hey, we need, I need your passport. Um, and of course I gave him my passport, um, made him promise that he was going to protect it. Of course. Yeah. And uh, we sat in this room for 30, 40 minutes with no windows. And it was, it was a little scary, you know, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden somebody comes in and uh, dressed in a suit, he's talking to Alpha. A few doors open up, a light comes in, and uh, we're all escorted out into these black uh, 
SUVs, the kind right. that you see in uh, uh, movies and stuff yeah. for uh, politicians. And uh, everybody's got every two people. Ken Patero was my roommate, the world's strongest man, Ken Patero. <laughs> he was my roommate in Russia. And um, we had a bodyguard and we called him Arnold. Because, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger was yeah. big then. And uh, he had that accent and um, he was big and muscular and turned out to be such a wonderful guy. I mean, there were so many wonderful people on that Russian tour. Just the people themselves were, yeah. were brilliant. And, um, but uh, we had to then, you know, adopt at least Bam Bam and I did to wrestling this Russian guy without being able to speak much to him. I mean, we could right. speak to him, but there was no time to go in the ring and work on things. Yeah. And, so, you know, it was, uh, it was a challenge. And then, you know, other times you'll, you'll go, like when you go to Japan, you know, you wrestle the Japanese um, and they have a, a completely different style than the Americans yeah. do for the most part. And I wrestled for New Japan Pro Wrestling many, 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 many times. That's been over a year and a half of my life there. And uh, I enjoyed Japan a lot. Uh, as a matter of fact, they turned me babyface in Japan, um, which was fun for two of my tour, two of my uh, 20 some odd tours there. But a couple of tours, I was a baby face, which was good. So I could wrestle the American guys yeah, yeah. and uh, have a Japanese guy as my tag team partner. So it'd be fun because I'd go chop the crap out of somebody. <laughs> uh, one of the American guys and the Japanese go, oh, it's high. Oh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great. You were in Japan. Am I right in thinking shortly before your move to the WWF? Um, uh, yeah, actually, Vince Sr. was the one that sent me to Japan the first time. See, I worked for Vince Sr. on two different occasions before I um, came back as one of the killer bees. Mm. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. The mm. uh, territories, the Florida tape went into New York. So it was great for me when I got to New York, um, the people already knew me. And yeah. uh, so it was a lot of fun. And uh, there was there was a lot of good matches, you know, that um, with uh, so many, with Morocco and Orton and um, mm. Adrian Adonis and uh, Dick Murdoch and Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, one of my yeah. favorite opponents of all time and one of my best friends of all time. Mm. Um, we had a, just a, a really great ke chemistry together. Yeah. And we would really lay them in. I mean, that was like a dogfight. When Paul and I wrestled, you absolutely felt it the next day, right. the next week. So, <laughs> because, because you're such close friends, which I know, you know, again from your book, I, I realized sort of how close your bond was with, with Paul Orndorff. You, you trust them more, I guess, in the ring. You can probably do a lot more. Um, I wouldn't say sort of convince the fans it's real, but I mean, would they have guessed that you were, you know, you hate each other in the ring, but outside of it, you, you know, you're best of friends and that that's testament to how good you were together in the ring. And Paul and I worked so many times and didn't mind because we grew up in the dungeon where it was brutal in Tampa under Matsudo, which you read in the book. Yeah. Um, out of over a hundred people in three summers that I was there that, came in to wrestle or uh, to train to be wrestlers the only three people that made it were mr wonderful paul orndorff um hulk hogan and myself and the rest left almost all of them left without their clothes screaming in the streets just get me out of here because it, it was really brutal so we were used to taking a lot of punishment paul was a football player i played football you know we've always been rugged guys and we respected each other enough to know that if we hit each other you know it's strictly for the fans and to make the match even that much better and so yeah. i mean we'd lay it in i remember in boston garden one time i had paul down well first before that uh dick Worley, boston's the number one uh heel fan or bad guy fan uh arena that i remember and before the match somebody had threatened to kill me uh, and then, uh, you know, you still have predominantly probably 
there you have maybe 25% bad guy fans, but you still have 75% good guy fans. Yeah. And uh, Dick Worley has given us our instructions and all of a sudden I see this something whiz past my eye and it freaked me out. I didn't know who it was going to hit and it was so fast and sounded like an explosion and somebody had thrown an elbow pipe and if it would have hit one of us, we'd be dead. Yeah. As it hit the wooden barricade and went right through the wooden barricade. And a couple minutes later, I've got Orndorff down in a, a arm bar. And I remember seeing this shiny thing zip past my face. And I looked down and at the same time, I hear Paul go, ah, son of a bitch. And he grabs his mouth and uh, is too spent back. And there's Oh, no. blood just pouring from his mouth and I look and there's a miniature alcohol bottle like a vodka bottle or a gin yeah. bottle somebody had thrown that and hit him right in the mouth and after that Paul started beating the crap out of me I said Paul I didn't throw the freaking bottle I didn't throw the bottle man loosen up team. that was you know oh, that was a brutal match I bet you, you, I mean, you get a lot of I, I think the, the, the fans are a lot more split I mean since like the attitude area you can get away with more as a heel, you get over a lot more with the fans than, but I, I suppose back then it was probably, it, it was a bit of an oddity having mm. that amount of people kind of, you know, trying to cause trouble, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really uh, interesting times. And, mm. um, and again, it's just great to, to reminisce, to think about yeah. all that stuff. And Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, 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 obviously, I, I, I would be doing you an injustice, I think, by not talking more about the killer bees while we've got you. Um, I think the one thing, personally, looking back on that era, the one thing the WWF were doing right, I think wrestling as a whole were doing right, was the tag team division. Um, there came a time when it didn't seem to matter, you know, midway through the 90s and beyond, tag team wrestling wasn't, didn't seem to mean as much as it used to. Um when they put you two guys together, because you'd predominantly been uh, solo up to that point, you know, right. what, what was what was your kind of reaction to to having a fully fledged tag team partner and a gimmick to go with it? You know, thinking that this is this is like the real deal, not just a pairing for a couple of matches. What, well, was, what was your take on it? It, it was. Um, I was the Florida heavyweight champion, and I knew I was going to come back because I had talked to <clears throat> Vince and. Uh, when I left uh, the second time to come back to Florida, they wanted me to come here for a year or so um, and come back and, and compete for the uh, compete for the excuse me, uh, should turn that off, but to compete for the Intercontinental Championship belt. Mm. And uh, uh, um, I uh, was waiting on that phone call, and I get a call from from Hulkster and he says, um, Vince wants you to um, come up if you don't mind. Um, and uh, there's a guy named Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Uh, he asked me if I knew who he was. I said, I saw him in magazines and knew that he was one of the high flyers with uh, Greg Gagne mm -hmm. in the AWA. And of course, Terry was there and Vince had cherry picked all the top talent yeah. Uh, from the territories to mm -hmm. start WWF slash E. And uh, Terry wanted to put us together. He said, Vince is building a, going to build a real tag team division. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll come on one condition. Um, and uh, we have to be the champions yeah. at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and because I was wanted to be the intercontinental champion. <clears throat> I don't want to go there. So anyway, of, of course, that was a promise. Went there. We got over big time. Uh, we were ahead of the time. We were ahead of our times. I mean, with mass confusion, with the mass. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, it's not something, shoes, not something know, a babyface team would do, you know, that kind well, of Well, you know, a, a guy named Billy Red Lions gave us that idea because he said, you guys are about the same size. And he said, you know, we I did it with a, my brother, um, Billy Red Lions is from Canada, and he said he did it with his uh, brother or his working brother when they were a tag team, and it got tremendous heat. And he said, I wonder if that would work on baby faces. Yeah. If the, I said, I think it would if the heel got enough heat. The, yeah. 
the audience wants you to do, the fans want you to do anything you can fight fire with fire. Yeah. And um, so I really liked that. And I kind of talked to Jimmy about it. He was kind of so, so, and finally he was cool. So we had the masks made and uh, I tell you the first time we did that, the people came unglued. Yeah. I'm not, we did it to the heart foundation and I yeah. mean, they came unglued. And so mass confusion was born. And then we, you know, uh, started the Nike tennis shoes and yes. it, it, the young bucks claimed not too long ago that they were the first ones ever to use it, to wear tennis shoes in the ring. <laughs> Sean Waltman was very quick. X-Pac was very quick to send him a picture of, uh, the killer bees in tennis shoes from <laughs> ah, several you locations, go. you know, so yeah, back in your box, in the bubble, but, but we were, you know, we were kind of ahead of the, the time, uh, in a lot of ways. And, um, uh, Jimmy had a lot of heat. He had sued Vince twice. I didn't know this, uh, when we got together and, uh, while we were there, he got in a lot of arguments with Vince and, you know, even though we were promised the, uh, the tag belts, uh, we were promised yeah. the, the tag belts on three occasions. Mm. And, um, um, they even have in some of our action figures that, that the WWFE put out we have the tag belts and for some reason um he had also been fired by george scott <laughs> it was just kind of the i didn't realize all this stuff had happened and george scott was the booker then yeah uh so there was a lot of things that um he wasn't helping your cause that wasn't helping us right um uh, with the belts and so finally um i told vince after the third time they promised the belts to us i said i've you know vince i appreciate it uh, this was in Salisbury, Maryland. It's been a, a great time. Um, and um, I just want to leave on good terms and yeah. um, you know, go start a business. And he tried to get me to stay. And I left, started Gold's Gems and mm. you know, continue to wrestle. And it is what it is. Hey, do, you, do you have an idea looking back on it? If you were to have carried on, you know, from, if your career had carried on past the point that you'd left whether you were single single or the, the bees were still together do you have anyone there that you you wanted to work with in a program in a feud or a pay-per-view or anything that you didn't get the chance to yeah i would have liked to work with brett uh in nice. singles matches yeah. uh you know when he had the belt uh yeah. brett and i had a, a great chemistry together uh same psychology same work ethics um and brett says the same thing all the time and um and of course i was young enough to do uh, another 10 years um but um you kind of after wrestling god chris we we wrestled 67 days in a row one time without a day off wow. we were in five different countries 67 days in a row and here we wind up in we're in australia and um I hear Jimmy talking to his wife and he's missing his young children's yeah. kindergarten graduation. And uh, a lot happens. And they, you know, the tears and I'm thinking, golly, this is, oh, I felt so bad for Jimmy. And, ah, oh, it's a, uh, it's a big sacrifice, you know, even though, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun on that Australia tour, George Thorogood, and they, he, such a wrestling fan. We brought him down to ringside and then he, him and Los, Los Lobos took Brunzi and I out. And, oh, that was a brutal night. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Gives you memories, but yeah. Like yeah, said, it's, but it's so much fun being able to go to all these different countries and experience all the different experiences yeah. that you get to experience. Yeah. A lot of fun. Lot of fun. But, you know, again, uh, we're talking about my book, Truth Be Told. <laughs> I have there you go. <laughs> and uh, you can actually get this on Amazon, uh, or you can go to thekillerbees.net, uh, thekillerbees.net, and uh, you can get an autograph copy ah, uh, okay. for only $10 more uh, shipped to you. And um, um, I, I, a lot of the stories, um, you know, I won't tell a lot of the stories that I could tell because I want people to read. The I, book. Yeah, same here. I, I we could have done the whole show where we go through your career. I would have quite happily done that, but no, give give people the uh, the the reason to to go out and buy it. You will not. Yes, it. yeah, because I promise everybody. I tell everybody 
if you buy if you buy my book uh our book i should say ian douglas was a tremendous um co-author and uh he he's done uh, bugsy mcgraw's book um brute power yeah. um he did a uh, um and Dan Sevens well, as well. I think. He's done several books. And mm-hmm. um, um, anyway, he, he's great at weaving the stories together. And <clears throat> I give him all the stories and he weaves them all together. And, mm-hmm. and it's 100% the truth. That's why it's called Truth Be Told, yeah. you know, because he had to go back and look and check and talk to people and be a Sherlock Holmes. I even call him Sherlock sometimes. <laughs> I ask him, how in the heck did you find out that information? But he's got a way of doing it. And that's fantastic. So we uh, put this book together and I tell everybody that, you know, if you buy the book, if you don't like it, I'll give you two times your money. <laughs> and that's the truth. That's I mean, a good guarantee. I, I'll gladly right. give anybody two times their money back if they do not. I challenge anyone to, to, to go through it and, and not um, and not enjoy it. You know, I, I said when I reviewed it and I wasn't just saying this, um, you know, because I was talking to you at the time, but it is. I've read most of the, the 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 big ones that are out there, and and this this is by far one of my favourites because it tells tales of a time that I I love to look back on because I I didn't know anything about it when I was growing up. Mm. I lived through the late eighties, nineties. I knew what was going on. You know, it's fun to hear the backstage and everything, but the territory days is something that I really was that I really am interested in now and in finding out more. And there's no better way to find out more than through someone like yourself who lived it you know but uh, whose whose idea was the book was it something you always wanted to do or was it something you were asked or suggested oh, to you i had been it took me almost two years to write the book and um i just wanted to write a book that would um kind of let people understand what the territories were like uh what we did um give them an honest um some honest humor some honest information um just uh stories that people maybe had never heard before that they might be interested in um you know how i grew up and became a a wrestler and um uh, where i came from i think that um you know there's it's meant to be inspirational as well so that I I came from very humble, humble beginnings, as you know, Chris, and it it doesn't matter. You know, we're, we're in a country where if you apply yourself, you know, if you, um, despite all the BS that you hear on the media, you know, it doesn't matter. It's all fake news. Uh, It's uh, an opportunity to, you can be what you want to be. And um, I'm sure the same is in England. You know, if you have a burning desire to be successful, then you can be successful. I mean, if you're going to sit on the couch all day and eat Doritos, (laughs) successful aren't real big. But if you get up in the morning and apply yourself and you learn little things, how to save a dollar here, I try to give some good little hints about a couple things. Yeah. It's, 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 um, I think it is inspiring to be able to pick up a book from someone who's gone through so much. And like I say, you know, all the things that you, you build up to your career, the early days, the bright lights, the, you know, the WWF, and then what happened after that and how you, you almost reinvent yourself along the way. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just about who you are in the ring. It's, it's you are conscious of, of having more, you know, and, and here you are, you know, like I said, at the top of the show, like you were, uh, sort of updated us on, on what you faced recently it's you can't help but be inspired so. yes I, I have strong faith that's what gets me by every day i have a lot of faith um and uh a lot of energy you know just um and, and a strong desire to help uh, to help everyone i mean i've <clears throat> when i ran for politics here i didn't realize i had the most community service hours of anybody that had ever run for politics from really? coaching baseball and speaking in schools to coaching football wow. to coaching wrestling to um so many speeches and different charities raising money for different charities and i it just has always been a part of my dna to give back you know to help yeah. those that need a hand up and yeah. that's why the the cac fit 
so well mm. with me is I have a passion for helping other people. Yeah. Um, other people helped me or I would never have been successful. I mean, you have to help yourself, but also uh, there's people along the way that'll, if yeah. they see that you're working hard and that you, you know, there's a value in that and yeah. people can use that to their advantage while it's actually helping you at the same time to become more prepared for your future. And whether you call it karma or, you know, fate, whatever it is that you believe in, I suppose. You mm -hmm. know, yeah, good goes around if you put it out there. But uh, there's there's a couple of things before I, I go on to, to um, a, a couple of other things I, I know that you've, uh, you've got to talk about um, that you've got going on at the moment. Some specific kind of memories here. I, I just wanted to share. This is the same one that I opened up with Scott Casey about. It's just... And, uh, you are part of my early one of my earliest memories of wrestling. Um, the first event, the first video I was ever given was Survivor Series 88. And it's ironic, really, because you weren't there. But the reason you always stuck there is because the UK release of the video still had you listed on the back. Um, so I grew up for quite a while thinking you and Scott Casey were the same person. <laughs> because oh. when he came to the ring it's got casey but on the cover it's brian blair so i was like oh, it must have just changed name ah. and, uh, so uh so that's interesting i didn't know that survivor series um but it, it holds a, a very the first couple hold a very special you know place in my heart really because that's really where i started as a fan and you had a big part to play in the very first survivor series that you, you mentioned earlier on and one of my favorite ones, and I wish they carried it on, and I kind of, um, I can probably see why they didn't, was the 10-team concept where you've got 20 guys around the ring, and that's what you were part of in that first one. Yeah. I've heard guys, I've read interviews about how difficult that was. I really want to get any memories or your take on that. You know, was it difficult to kind of get around and perform properly? It was, it was difficult because we had to wrestle um, a few times and you had to be rather than preparing for one match and giving it your all, you had to prepare for a few matches and give it your all. And yeah. uh, so it, it um, as far as that goes, it was much more difficult. Yeah. Uh, it was very rewarding at the end to be at the top of the heap, but yeah. uh, um, it was a lot, it was a lot of work that yeah. Survivor Series. One <laughs> was brutal. So if guys, you couldn't really run the ropes, particularly in the in the early bits, because you just got guys everywhere. They're so you everywhere. can't, especially you, you know, you guys, the bees. You, you you did a lot of flying around, and you probably sure. couldn't do a lot of that. Yes. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't do a lot of flying. Not not till the end. A little bit at the end. That's it. You kind of open up at the end, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's yeah. You've got to kind of you know you guys were, were really. I mean that was a big sign that there should have been more things to come for you guys, you know, that you're putting you over in, in a match like that. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we were the absolute hottest tag team on yeah. the planet at one time. And yeah. I just knew that, I mean, we were all ready to get the belts mm. and all of a sudden George Scott had come in at the last minute, changed the finish. Oh, we're not going to do it tonight. Vince, uh, Vince and I think that there's, we still have more money in the chase. Mm. Uh, so you, you know, your heart yeah. sink down, you know, to your stomach and think, wow, you know, I'm working so hard for, um, mm. I know that they actually, the powers that be make us the champion. Mm. But at the same time, I go out there not for them, but for the fans. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm giving the people that support us, that watch television, that mm -hmm. come to wrestling, I want to give them what they want. And they wanted us to win the tag team championships yeah. in the worst way. I mean, mm -hmm. you get all tons of fan mail and, you know, they motivated us. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's uh it's a shame that that never happened and, he had some great you know, we had to go to the uwf to win the world tag team champions yeah yeah you had to, it wasn't even like that you you wouldn't have had competition you know you could still you would have had the heart foundation you still could have worked with and demolition had come through and oh, you yes. know there was there was definitely depth to that division um but they they did it once didn't they uh, i think i read the rujos won the title at a house show and then they just didn't acknowledge it and they, they put the belts back anyway 
they 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 almost seemed to want to have that switch um yeah so it's like they, they they have no nerves or something it doesn't make sense from a fan's point of view why they never went with it mm. there we go. that's true but one thing we are getting now that i i think i would have absolutely loved back then is i know um the classic superstars, the, the Jacks uh, action figures, have got you guys out there. It's the Killer Bees, but we're finally getting some new Killer Bees figures out, uh, courtesy of Cello Toys, I believe. That's right, Cello Toys. Uh, yeah. What a great company! Um, uh, Jimmy and I just uh, signed a deal with Cello Toys, so we have new action figures coming out, and um, these are the best action figures I've ever seen. Yeah, they're I modeled mean, they're, on the Hasbro. They're so right? real, like. It's amazing. I've never seen uh, action figures. This, uh, not only do they look like us, but the moves, the mm. way they move, um, they're they're really, really nice. Yeah. Really, really nice. They're in the same vein as the old Hasbro ones, the ones I Exactly, that kind of yeah. like the old Hasbros. But right? the problem with those, I found, they're very, very cartoon-like. So they have, they've basically taken the, what was great about the action figures back then and made them more lifelike like they are now. Right. I mean, it's, they've had some fantastic ones coming out, but I, I really am quite excited about the bees. It's um, it's it's yeah, ones you 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 would have had. You know, I I had all kinds of action figures that weren't wrestling ones, acting as ones that I didn't have that weren't out there. You know, and uh, it's great to see some of them actually coming out now. And you could, you know, I know I'm a bit old probably to be playing with them, but I've got a shelf or two that they can sit proudly upon. So um, are they. But do you know when they're due out at all? Were they still um, in production? I'm actually uh, not a hundred percent sure. I just know that. Excuse me. Um, I think uh, we're supposed to see because we have to sign off on the uh, final uh, approval. That will be. Um, I think it's at the end of it's the last Friday of this month. Okay. So we will uh, sign off on those um, and how long it takes them to go to production. Mm. And, I have no idea when these. I think they're are. they're ready to roll. That's so. cool. That's cool. Shouldn't be too much longer. Ah, oh, there we go. I'll be I'll be keeping tabs on them, and I know I follow them on social media anyway. So well, uh, super. Yeah, yeah. So um, they going back to the 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 Vice TV series. As well, I forgot to ask earlier on. Again, same kind of question. Any idea when that will be? You know, with us and September, I believe. Oh, awesome! Awesome. There you go. I can't, I cannot wait for that. Cannot wait for that. It's um, I've um. I'm probably gonna. I'm gonna have to bring it to an end, you know, fairly soon. I can probably sit here all night talking to you. Brian. Yes, this has been an absolute honor. So. It, it's been great, uh, Chris. I appreciate you giving me the time. Thanks for letting me plug my book. Oh, Truth man. be told, um, again, you can get that on Amazon, or you can go to um, <clears throat> you can go to thekillerbees.net, um, and uh, you can also get them, order them there, and get them personalized. Um, I appreciate you letting me bring up the Cauliflower Alley Club. Hey. That's caulifloweralleyclub.org. Yeah, uh, no. We do wonders. And it's an organization where everybody's welcome to come to the reunion if you're a member. And okay. Um, okay. it's very inexpensive to go. Uh, yeah. $150 a person for the whole reunion, which includes a couple of great dinners, a bunch of entertainment. Um, get to see all the honorees win their awards. We've got some tremendous honor honorees from... The Rock and Roll Express. I mean, wow. uh, uh, just um, uh, Conan. Oh wow! Uh, okay. Uh, we're gonna have uh, JBL. We have um, uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Um, uh, the list goes on. Kevin That's Sullivan, a... Tommy Wildfire, Rich. Uh, nice. uh, who's, who? who's who? Basically, yes. the best part of wrestling. The best. The best era. This is what I like to celebrate on this show. Is um, is, is that that time that really, you know, the 80s, 90s, guys like you that made it so special for me growing up. And, and you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate you, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate no all the fans. Thanks for uh, writing a nice review on the book. For, oh, uh, no problem. And um, uh, thanks for having this wonderful podcast. Thank you. No. I love it. Thank you. No, thank you so much for that. I've got one final question to finish off on. Sure. Um, so if, if, if you were to, you had a fan who wasn't familiar with, who you were, um, your career. If you could pick one match, this is a really, this is quite a, quite a cruel one. If you could pick one match that you feel represents your career, as something if someone could watch one Brian Blair match and that would be you, what would mm -hmm. it be? Which one? 
Um, in a singles, it would be myself and Mr. Wonderful from St. Louis, which is on YouTube, uh, where I'm in the black tights, I believe. That's when that Vince McMahon came up to us and said it was the best match he had ever seen in his lifetime up until that point, I'm sure. <laughs> and that was the fans stood the whole time. Uh, that would be uh, as far as single matches and as far as a tag match, I would say when for Saturday night main event, um, the Killer Bees versus the Heart Foundation <clears throat> when we won with Mass Confusion. Okay. And uh, even Dick Ebersol, we blew away the Saturday Night Live ratings. We blew away <laughs> all the ratings. We had the highest spot on the whole um, show that night. We, we beat everybody, Hogan, everybody. Wow. And um, it was just a, it was a tremendous match. And it was because we had four guys that all wanted to, yeah. to give it their all, you know, uh, Jim Neidhart um, mm. and Bret Hart and uh, Jimmy Brunzel and myself. And we just, everybody uh, kicked it in and mm. fans were great. Yeah. Fans are there. It just makes everything so much they easier. Would, they would never, the fans were never going to lose in that situation where they would have matched like that to be no. fair anytime. So. No, but those are, those are two, two of cool. right off. I'll, I'll dig those out. I'll share them on my page if anyone hasn't seen them. I'll, I'll okay, Chris. There. But, uh, but Brian, Brian, thank you again. Can't thank you enough for your time. This has been such an honor to, to welcome you to the show. Um, thank you for everything. Thanks for the book. Thanks for the memories and all the best with everything that you've got going on. Thank you very much, Chris. No you take care. God bless you and your audience. And thank you. Keep enjoying wrestling. I will. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like, share, and hit the subscribe button. Also follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep updated about all future shows.